I'm Rodney Wittenberg. And I'm David Heitler Clevens. And this is Music for the New Revolution. You will not forgiveness. Forgiveness. Sorry seems to be the hardest word. Well, we hope you'll forgive us if we do another episode of our forgiveness theme. So this is part two of forgiveness. And just like in part one, we are going to take a look at the music of forgiveness. And uh, we have a wonderful interview in this uh, episode with uh, John Flynn. Yeah. And so um, so what, what should we say about forgiveness that we didn't say in the last episode? <laughs> Well, you know, this particular episode, we have a surprisingly religious focus, maybe, for for the two of us in particular. Um, And of course, a lot of people do associate the concept of forgiveness with some kind of religious belief or ideology. Um, I would definitely not agree that it has to be connected, but there's a lot of music related to forgiveness that does have kind of at least a spiritual or religious Mm -hmm. basis. Yeah, I was thinking spiritual, um, but yes. And I think it does, there's something, um, there is a, the people I've I've met at the conference, uh, which which inspired this, which was the uh, conference on uh, on forgiveness that was put on by the Social Justice Initiative at Bryn Mawr College, there, there was not a religious, but a spiritual streak or, or, or sense of deep faith and discipline and commitment that ran through every one of the, the people that I felt that spoke at the, um, at the event. Um, it, there's one person in particular I keep, I always think of is Ulysses Slaughter. And if you are out there and get a chance to take a look, look him up, he was a, a, I might have mentioned him in the last episode, but he's, a, he, he was 12 years old when he saw, his uh, father kill his mother and later in life he forgave his dad but it was the hardest thing the anybody i've i've seen anybody ever do and um i've gotten to know him a little bit we've worked on a little uh film project and um looks like we're gonna be working on some other things and he is one of the deeply spiritual people i've encountered in my life and 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 it just, I think it's partly because of his journey of forgiveness. I think it's partly what inspired his journey, but it's also the trans, it's because of the journey. Like, I think the process of going through that forgiveness has made him um, a much more spiritual person. Yeah, and I got to hear him speak at that conference too, and it was very moving and, and powerful. Um yeah, so it's interesting, you know, I come from a totally secular perspective, and so I definitely get my back up when people make it sound like you can only, um, you know, be a forgiving person if you're coming from a religious um, perspective. But um, if you define it broadly, 
it does make sense. You know, if, if you use the word faith, including faith in humanity, I think it would be very difficult to be forgiving, especially in these extreme circumstances that come up in, in the conference and in a lot of the songs we're playing without at least having a faith in humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Faith in humanity. Uh, yeah. I, I, I also think that um, sometimes it's, it's the practice of, I'm really thinking about how to say this because I, I get what you're, where you're coming from with it not necessarily having to do with a religious faith, but um, knowing you, David, I would say that you are a, a discipline and I don't mean discipline, like a militaristic discipline type <laughs> of person. Not. No, I don't mean it that way, <laughs> but there are practices that you definitely do and, and honor. You are a person who honors yeah. Uh, I hate language. So you are a person who, <laughs> but we who, love it too. <laughs> you, you, you are a deep thinker. You are compassionate. You, uh, uh, you are disciplined, and I, all of those things go into what makes someone able to forgive. I think. I mean, it takes it takes those the the, the this one of the, those are the common threads I find around the people who I've met who have mm -hmm. been able to do forgiveness. Now they may their practice may be different, mm -hmm. and what they are what they focus on is different. But I, I'm I'm a big believer in as humans we as humans we sometimes think it's it's the thing that we are doing it for not the thing we're doing if uh -huh. that makes any sense uh -huh. it's you know is being disciplined and playing a musical instrument is as spiritual experiences i ever, ever had in my entire life it's it, it's it's an amazingly spiritual experience but it is the same discipline that someone who is doubting or someone who goes to prayer every day and reads the Quran or someone who is in a monastery. I mean, it's, it's that singular intense focus on one thing and your mind is centered and clear and you have intention. And so I don't know. Mm -hmm. For, I, I, I don't know what's all that's worth. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I think that might be a good lead into our first song, which is from the singer-songwriter Dar Williams. And this is a song that definitely deals with uh, people who have different perspectives, including re different religious perspectives, coming together and finding some common ground. Amber called her uncle, said we're up here for the holiday. Jane and I were having solstice, now we need a place to stay. And her Christ-loving uncle watched his wife hang Mary on a tree. He watched his son hang candy canes, all meet with red dye number three. He told his niece it's Christmas Eve, I know our life is not your style. She said, Christmas is like solstice, and we miss you, and it's been a while. So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able Just before the meal was served, hands were held and prayers were said Sending hope for peace on earth to all their gods and goddesses The food was great, the tree plugged in, the meal had gone without a hitch Till Timmy turned to Amber and said, is it true that you're a witch? His mom jumped up and said, the pies are burning. And she hit the kitchen. And it was Jane who spoke. She said, it's true, the cousin's not a Christian. 
But we love trees, we love the snow, the friends we have, the world we share. And you find magic from your God, and we find magic everywhere. So the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table, finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able. And where does magic come from? I think magic's in the learning. Cause now when Christians sit with pagans, only pumpkin pies are burning. Tried to do the dishes Her aunt said, really, no, don't bother Amber's uncle saw how Amber Looked like him and like her father He thought about his brother How they hadn't spoken in a year He thought he'd call him up And say it's Christmas and your daughter's here He thought a father's sons and brothers Saw his own son tug his sleeve Saying, can I be a pagan? Dad said, we'll discuss it when they leave so the Christians and the pagans sat together at the table Finding faith and common ground, the best that they were able Lighting trees in darkness, learning new ways from the old And making sense of history and drawing warmth out of the cold
That was the final movement of Arnold Schoenberg's very early composition, Transfigured Night. And uh, we like to do those. And now for something completely different moments in this podcast. <laughs> that made you happy, right? Yeah, oh, it just yes. makes me happy. It makes me feel like radio. When I was a kid, I listened to college radio and it would do that. Cool. They would go from a, a folk song to classical music. Or when I was in Europe, it was, it's that, that's what listening to music is all about. So the reason we wanted to include that piece, in addition to the musical variety, Mm -hmm. is that that piece is based on a poem about uh, a woman who's pregnant and confesses to her lover that the child is not his, and he forgives her. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the the finale of that piece. And uh, it's nice to recognize, I think, that, you know, we may associate these themes with more folky songs and stuff like that, but that these themes come up in all kinds of music and many different kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. Just as it comes up in all different types of lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so in our first episode, we talked about how it was kind of fun sometimes to think about um, the opposite of forgiveness um, and and sort of the revenge as a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. And there's no piece that, to me, uh, exemplifies the concept of that more than uh, Sondheim's uh, mm-hmm. musical or really opera, mm-hmm. Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. And if you've never seen Sweeney Todd, don't see the movie. In my opinion, the movie is horrible. But but see it on stage. It's an amazing you know show. But I I didn't like the movie. Um, anyway, uh, you don't have to. I um, I did. Who directed that again? That's uh, uh, it's Tim Burton, and you, you don't have to say anything about to be about Tim Burton because I, 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 he drives me crazy sometimes. So. <laughs> so anyway, you know, in terms of Sweeney Todd, you know, uh, if you're not familiar with it, I won't spoil the story. But it's you know basically it's a story of uh, justifiable desire for revenge, but uh, such an obsession with it that it ends up destroying everything um, and that's yeah. what revenge usually does is yeah. destroys everything just think of star wars just it's like it's just one family fighting back and forth with itself it's like yeah. crazy yeah so the um first mo- we want to play a couple short things from this show and uh the first is called epiphany and it's the moment when the main character sweeney todd um he's just had the object of his revenge slip through his fingers and it basically pushes him over the edge. He's already kind of (laughs) unhinged, but uh, he decides that everybody should die. (laughs) So here's uh, Epiphany and Epilogue from Sweeney Todd. Adam and then. Oh no, the sailor busted and I saw them both running down the street and I said, I had him! The sword was there beneath my hand. Now, now, dear, don't fret. No, I had him! The sword was there and he'll never come again. Tell your why, Mrs. Love, tell your why. 
because in all of the whole human race, Mrs. Lovett, there are two kinds of men and only two. There's the one staying put in his proper place and the one with his foot in the other one's face. Look at me, Mrs. Lovett, look at you. Though we all deserve to die. Tell you why, Mrs. Lovett, tell you why. Because the lives of the wicked should be made free for the rest of us. Death will be a relief. We all deserve to die. And I'll never see Joanna No, I'll never hug my girl to be finished All right, you sir, how about a shame? Come and visit your good friend, sweetie You sir, true sir, welcome to the grave I will have vengeance I will have salvation. Who, sir? You, sir? No one's in the chair. Come on, come on! Sweeney's waiting. I want you, ladies. You, sir? Anybody? Gentlemen, now don't be shy. Not one man. No, not ten men. Nor a hundred can assuage me. <laughs> and I will get him back even as he gloats In the meantime I'll practice on less honorable throats And my Lucy lies in ashes And I'll never see my girl again But the work waits I'm alive at last and I'm full Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd His skin was pale and his eye was odd He shaved the faces of gentlemen Who never thereafter were heard of again he trod a path that few have trod. Did Sweeney Todd? The demon barber of Fleet Street. He kept a shop in London town. Of fancy clients and wood renown. And what if none of their souls were saved? They went to their maker impeccably shaved. By Sweeney. My Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. Hugging the flame, waiting the years, hearing the music that nobody hears. 
Tell the tale of Sweeney Todd. Tell the tale of Sweeney Todd. He served a dog and a hungry god. He served a dog and a hungry god. To seek revenge may lead to hell. But everyone does it, though seldom as well. A Sweeney. A Sweeney Todd. That sounds like revenge. Yeah, that's the sound of revenge. So that was the uh, two different things from the great show Sweeney Todd. First, the epiphany, and then the epilogue, the ballad of Sweeney Todd, uh, following the tragic events of that show, which you should see if you haven't seen. Um, (laughs) But we had the good fortune of having uh, the inspiring uh, human being and singer-songwriter John Flynn uh, and get to interview him about uh, lots of his uh, amazing activities and also a couple songs of his. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the songs we uh, are going to feature in this episode is called Mercy. And it has a really interesting story behind it and uh, that relates to forgiveness and also just his journey in uh, writing the song and is in and also his personal journey all speak to the subject of forgiveness so here's our uh, little talk with uh, John Flynn it was a song that i was asked to write by a woman named Jennifer Thompson um Jennifer was the subject of a frontline documentary some years back called What Jennifer Saw, which uh, told the the story of how she she had been assaulted and and picked the wrong man out of a police lineup. Uh, And her testimony sent a man named Ronald Cotton to prison for life. And Ronald served 11 years of that sentence before DNA was used to prove his innocence. And he was released from prison and he kind of went looking for Jennifer uh, uh, to tell her that he had forgiven her. And his forgiveness had a profound effect on her life um, uh, in a lot of wonderful ways. And they became uh, uh, best friends and they wrote a book called Picking Cotton together. Uh, which told the story from from both of their vantage points. It's it's just an amazing uh, book, and it was a New York Times bestseller. And at the point Jennifer reached out to me, uh, I had known her through my work uh, in the abolition uh, movement um, regarding the death penalty. Um, she reached out to me and asked if. Uh, if I would tell the story in song for for a film they were planning, I, I tried not to tell the story in a linear way, but more on a on a subterranean or an emotional level for the movie. Song actually helped me to embark on some interior work that I hadn't really uh, owned up to or taken on at that point in my life. So I, it, it helped me. Um, it helped me to kind of intellectualize 
my, you know, my faith and my, my belief and, and why this was a necessary thing to do, but it didn't, I hadn't at that point done the kind of, you know, internal inventory to see where, where I needed to go there in my own life. And that's, that's happened in the years since writing the song. So it was kind of, it was kind of a song that I, I wrote and then found myself singing every night and, and then moved, uh, challenged to try to live up to. damage the emotional damage of the uh, uh assault uh left her in, in terrible fear and uh with a lot of rage uh that was directed towards Ronald I mean it needed it needed a a focus you know and so she she, she said that even as he protested his his innocence she just saw him as this liar, you know, and it made her even angrier that he tried to defend himself. Um, so th- all of this was, you know, diminishing the the quality of her life, uh, of her ability to to do the things, you know, in her life that that she was called to do. And uh, uh, when he forgave her, it also uh, allowed her to step outside this terrible guilt that she was bearing because she was following the case. And when it was proven that she had, uh, made a mistake, a tragic mistake, she was bearing all that on top of everything else. So, uh, you know, you can only imagine how, uh, how much weight that would be. And, uh, you know, Ronald's forgiveness enabled her to, you know, begin the the process of of, of forgiving the man who had um, uh, raped her uh, at knife point um, and held her captive. You know, um, and they found out who did it, and uh, and you know, so that his his. His forgiveness enabled her to begin the, the journey of forgiveness herself. I got to do this without sounding like I'm patting myself on the back too much, but I, the, the, there, there are things in the song that as I sing them now, I understand them more than when I wrote them, which, which I kind of, you know, I'm kind of proud of the fact that I was able to to get out in front of myself a little bit, you know, and understand where it was I, I needed to go before I, before I was able to go there. Uh, I was in Gander Hill prison just this morning, uh, working with the, the, the group that I run there, New Beginnings. And we are currently talking a great deal about forgiveness. And, um, you know, I, I, I shared with the guys that one of the things that used to infuriate me when I was struggling on that path was people telling me to just, you know, just let it go, let it go. And, and I'm thinking, you know, let what go? I mean, I, you know, I'm caught in a trap and you're saying, let the trap go, you know, uh, uh, like, like telling a coyote whose, whose leg is, you know, 
has has been caught in the jaws of this trap, you tell the coyote, "Well, let the trap go." You know, and it you know if you're in pain, that 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 can really provoke a a, a little bit of resentment or anger. And I found that 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 it had been happening in me a little bit. Um, uh, the, the metaphor that I eventually you know settled on was that I that I was you know. Uh, I was holding on to an anvil. I was at the bottom of a swimming pool and, and, uh, all I had to do was let go to float to the top. And, and, uh, I was under the impression that I was chained to this thing. Turned out that there was a handle and I, and I was, I was holding on to it. Um, and now, you know, I can go back, I can swim down there and there's no handles. There's nothing to grab onto anymore. So that was that was the the end result of the process that began with with the writing of the song for me, um, and you know it it didn't happen all at once. It was it was, had a lot to do with uh, the internal work that you got to undertake. A, a lot of intention was involved, a lot of failure, because <laughs> you know the hardest thing in the world to do is to say I'm going to try to do something that you don't believe you can actually accomplish and then and then fall down on you know many times on your way to getting there but um being a folk singer i'm i'm no (laughs) stranger to failure um so i you know i i and and prayer actually i mean all those things went into it and 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 the work that i do with the, the guys in prison because i'm you know one of the things about our group is i'm not uh as a volunteer as a facilitator i'm not any smarter than anybody else in that room. I've, I've been a lot luckier with some of the decisions that I've made. Um, but you know, they expect to hear the truth out of me when it's my turn to talk. And so I was sharing, uh, with the, the guys, the stuff that I was dealing with and talking about it very openly. And, and at times when I was about to, to give up, and throw in the towel. They were the ones who encouraged me and, and pushed me forward. So I tell people, you know, my, my spiritual advisors, a lot of them live live behind bars, and I'm not really exaggerating at all. I remember wanting it to be anthemic uh, to have some to have some power to convey the sense that that forgiveness is a powerful thing and and, an empowering thing you know i I didn't want it to be to sound too pretty um um although forgiveness is certainly beautiful so and and then as i i told the story I, i i remember feeling like um I wanted the the cadence, the meter of the song, the the the, uh, uh, the lyrics in the verse, to have a kind of a, uh, an unrelenting quality that that they're coming at you, you know, that you become involved in in this process that's unfolding and takes you with it. Matter of fact, a a, a, a pastor in New Jersey, up in Princeton, uh, actually performed the song. He told me as part of his uh, Advent. Uh, homily series and he said he said those verses are like toboggan rides <laughs> which i thought was just a great metaphor because you, you you know that's exactly kind of what i was going for you it's a slippery slope you know but it, it it takes you with it um 
So I remember, I remember wanting to do something like that, that, that you're, that you're pulled into this process. If you're brave enough to climb to the top of that hill and look down and then, uh, and that the, and that the chorus would be some, some kind of a release from the process musically, you know, uh, I think I think the song was probably influenced more by Springsteen uh, than most of my uh, writing. I'm not really sure what the connection was there, but I remember wanting to have saxophone on the song simply because I, uh, Bruce Bruce had been sitting on my shoulder a little bit in the writing. Although it was in despair, it longed for peace, and so your spirit laid your anger down to stay free from your prison. You forgave me, trapped within a heart that hated. I too was incarcerated by scars someone else inflicted. Never could I have predicted mercy would save my life, cause mercy found me when I was thirsty. Condemnation, mercy is my salvation, mercy. For I could not ask for mercy. Redemption cried, You're worthy. Be blessed by this mercy and sweet for you.
Wow. Uh, that that uh, John Flint's a very special man. Yes. I, I knew that we needed to have him involved <laughs> in this particular theme. Yes. And what, what a powerful story. Uh, I just couldn't imagine what that would be like, not only to be falsely accused and spend 11 years of my life, but then come out and forgive the person. That, yeah. that just takes an amazing amazing sense of something. I don't even know what to call it. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. Well, we had so many good conversations with John Flynn that we're actually going to um, save some of that interview for another episode. Um, but we want to do a little more music before we finish up with this particular episode. Yes. So uh, we're going to play a song for you. We're going to play two songs for you. Uh, we're going to do Toby Mac, Forgiveness, and... Uh, Morrissey, formerly of the Smiths, with I Have Forgiven Jesus. So, have you, David? I, I, it's not really an issue for me. <laughs> uh, so, here we go. Because we all make mistakes sometimes, and we all step across that line. But nothing sweeter than the day we find, we find. It's hanging over him like the clouds of Seattle And raining on his swag, falling deeper in the saddle It's written on his face, he don't have to speak a sound Somebody call the five, oh, we got a man down Now you can go and play it like you're all rock and roll But guilt does a job on each and every man's soul And when your head hits the pillow at the nightfall You can bet your life that it's gonna be a fight, y'all Cause we all make mistakes sometimes And we've all stepped across that line but nothing sweeter than the day we find Forgiveness, forgiveness And we all stumble and we fall Bridges burn in the heat of it all But nothing sweeter than the day Sweeter than the day we call Out for forgiveness We all need, we all need We all need forgiveness We all need, we all need Mr. Lecrae uh. Mama told me what I would be in for If I kept all this anger inside of me pent up My heart been broken, my wounds been open And I don't know if I can hear I'm sorry being spoken But those forgiven much should be quicker to give it And God forgave me for it all, Jesus bled forgiveness So when the stones fly and they aim at you Just say forgive them, Father, they know not what they do Now you can go and play it like you're all rock and roll But kill does a job on each and every man's soul and when your head is the pillow at the nightfall You can bet your life that it's gonna be a fight, y'all Cause we all make mistakes sometimes And we've all stepped across that line But nothing sweeter than the day we find Forgiveness, forgiveness And we all stumble and we fall Bridges burn in the heat of it all But nothing sweeter than the day Sweeter than the day we call
Music for the New Revolution is written, edited, and produced by Rodney Wittenberg and David Heidler-Clevens. It's recorded and engineered at Melody Vision Studios in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. All music used in this program is for promotional and educational purposes only. You can find out more information about Music for the New Revolution on our Facebook page. I'm Rodney Wittenberg. I'm David Heitler-Clevens. And thanks for listening to Music for the New Revolution. Will not be televised. Will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live.